Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Everyday Saint podcast. My name is David, and I am your host. So first of all, before we get into anything, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry that it's been a while since I've been active uh, on Instagram and also obviously with these episodes, since this is only the second episode. So uh, in back at the end of August, I started the school year. If you listen to my last episode, I told you I'm a fourth grade um, intervention specialist, so I'm a special education teacher. So the beginning of the year is really busy just getting to know the students, and for me it's um, getting to know my students specifically and getting ready to write their annual IEPs and just uh, collecting data and just getting a lot of work done with that. So I was pretty busy with that for the first couple of weeks of school, and then a couple of weeks ago I also got COVID. <laughs> so that did give me some time to work on notes and stuff for the podcast, but um, I wasn't very bad in terms of uh, what most people have been going through, but I had a really bad cough, so there was no way I was going to be able to record this. I actually still have a little bit of a lingering cough, but it's barely here now, so it won't be a problem. So as I was quarantine from work, I was thinking of some different things about the podcast. And I think to start off, I'm planning on releasing two episodes a month, just because I'm still in the busy part of the year with school. And I, I don't want to rush this because I want it to be quality. I don't want it to be quantity. I I don't want to release, you know, 18 podcasts by the end of the year if they're not going to be good. So I want to take my time and hear where God's leading me in terms of what I'm going to share on this podcast. So my goal right now is for two episodes a month, probably one near the beginning of the month, one towards the end. So one last thing before I get started, I want to apologize for the sound quality. Uh, I listened to my previous podcast when it came out and I know this, that there was, I don't know, some background noise, air, you know, whatever. Um, I'm currently using my phone to record this, but I am looking into getting some better quality mics and some new sound equipment, so hopefully the next couple of podcasts will sound better. Um, Okay, sorry, actually one last thing. So I use the Anchor podcast app to record this podcast and distribute it, and it's through Spotify, so... My podcast isn't only available on Spotify, but it will be available on Spotify first. So if you have Spotify, you will get it a minute after I post it. Um, and then it can it continuously begins to release on other streaming platforms. So when I post this episode, uh, and I will put a post on Instagram about it, I will also list the other streaming services. I usually use Apple Podcasts, so I'm going to try and get it available on there. I don't think the first one is, but I'm going to look into that. So keep an eye out for that post, talking about all the streaming platforms available for this podcast. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So as I was planning this, and I had a, I had a lot of ideas for this podcast, but I really wasn't sure like where to start, where to begin, what direction to go in, and I decided just to go with starting simple with the essentials. So I'm going to be doing sort of a mini series. I don't know how many it's going to be either. I know it's going to be probably at least two episodes. It might be more my, I don't know. 
So I'm calling it a mini-series on the Christian life, the normal Christian life. What does it look like? Um, this is going to be for newer Christians. This can be for, you know, Christians who have been Christians for years and just want to hear someone else's perspective. Um, <laughs> so starting with the essentials of the first episode of this mini-series on the Christian life, I'm calling it, What is the Gospel? So when you hear someone ask, what is the gospel, I'm sure you immediately get something in your head. Um, I'm sure it's something along the lines of, well, Jesus died for my sins, and because of that, I can live in him and glorify him in my life. And that is very true. That is the gospel message. Um, Some people uh, will say, you know, Jesus loves you, and that's the gospel. Or they'll say that, you know, Jesus died for your sins, and that's the gospel. And those are true, but those are only a part of it. So I'm not sure if you've heard this before, but I've heard this from a couple different people, and I really liked it, and it was biblically sound, uh, that it can be broken into four stages or parts. Um, And those four stages or parts are regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. And those might seem like big words. I mean, I'm sure you've heard them. Um, But what I'm going to do in today's episode is I'm just going to break those down to be a little more, to give you some understanding, some some scripture to back it up. And I'm going to try and just break these terms down. And this can be for, if, if you're a new Christian, this is a great way to understand the gospel. If you've been a Christian for years, maybe this is just a refresher for you, or maybe you've never heard these four parts before, Um, and I'm just really excited that you're listening, and I can't wait to share. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. So this first stage of the gospel is called regeneration. So if you've you've heard regeneration, it means that something, um, I don't know, it depends on what terms you're talking about it, but it can be like something is returning, something's growing back, something is made new, right? And that made new is kind of the foundation we're going to be bouncing off of here. So when we are born again, when we become a Christian for the very first time, we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have confessed him with our mouths. And in doing that, we are made a new person. We are not who we used to be. We are we're born into sin and when we are in Christ, we are dead to sin and we are made new. He made us new. Literally, we are not the person that we were 10 minutes before, if that's when you got saved. Um, So some background for that. So as I said, we were all born into sin. And if you don't know what that means, we're going to take it all the way back to the beginning of history. Genesis chapter 3 you know, appropriately titled The Fall of Man, when uh, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were living in the garden. Um, Satan, the enemy, comes disguised as uh, a serpent in the garden, and he deceives Eve into eating this fruit from a tree that was forbidden because uh, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan lies to Eve and says, if you eat this, you will become like God. And God warned them not to eat of the tree because they will die. And Satan, being the liar that he is, said, surely you won't die. You'll become like God, and God doesn't want you to be like him. So he's telling you not to eat it. So he deceives Eve into eating the fruit, and in turn, uh, 
Adam eats the fruit as well, and there is a death. They don't physically die, not for hundreds more years, but they do die spiritually. There is a a severing of, of the connection between God and man spiritually. Sin is entered into the world and into humanity, and because of this, every child born after Adam and Eve was born into sin. And it's a curse, and there's no way to reverse that curse except for Jesus. In the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. because This is because when we're born into sin, we're born into sin because of what Adam and Eve did. But we are brought out of sin because of what Jesus did for us. He died for your sins, yes, but there's a reason why. It's not just, you know, you're, you're an okay person, and God just decided to he loves you, so he's going to die for you. It's, it's deeper than that. It's, be, it's for a reason. It's to reverse the curse of sin that's been in humanity since the beginning. So he delivers us from that. So when he delivers us from that, when we accept what he did on the cross, when he died as he became sin, he died and was risen again, that was our hope because none of us could have done that. He, he died. He lived a sinless life because he was God in the flesh. He died taking on the sins of humanity and was risen again. And because he was made new, we can be made new as well. So I'm going to share some verses uh, that I found in the word on regeneration. So I'm going to start in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 3. And I'm going to be reading all of these out of the English Standard Version. <clears throat> I do like that version. So I'll be using that for a lot of the podcast probably, but I have my ESV study Bible and I think it's awesome. So, okay. Book of John chapter three, verse three. This is where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, about what it truly means to be born again. So Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, When you are regenerated, you are able to be a part of God's kingdom. You're able to be a part of his family. And that is the gospel as well. The fact that we're born, we're born again. We are no longer slave to sin and we're allowed to be a part of God's family. And, and that's awesome and very hopeful. Uh, Another um, verse that I wanted to share was in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two verses 1 through 7. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I know that's kind of a mouthful, but what Jesus, or what, sorry, Paul wrote this, what Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit through Paul, is saying that you were dead in your sins and because of the rich mercy of Jesus and God, we were able to be risen out of our graves We are no longer the same person and we get to live with Christ and we are seated with him in heavenly places. Um, There's a book by, 
uh, a, a brother named Watchman Nee, and he um, lived in China, and this was in the early 1900s, and he actually became a Christian and a missionary, and he spent a lot of his life in prison because uh, he was a Christian, and he wrote a lot of books, and one of them is called Sit, Walk, Stand, and it's about, it's kind of breaking this down um, in Ephesians, and he's saying the fact that we're seated on heavenly places, this is kind of the pinnacle of spiritual warfare because we have been placed in heavenly places as soon as we're saved we are seated in heavenly places we're not of this world anymore that gives us we we are holding ground against satan so don't let satan take that from you you can't give him an inch you know the truth the truth is that you are seated in heavenly places the word says that the word is infallible and has no error so if the word says that that is true and you have to stand in that don't give satan an inch that um, I just love that. I love Watchman Nee's books. They're they're great. I'll probably do a podcast or two on some of his books sometime because um, they've just been very inspiring to me. So, okay, another verse is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. My apologies. It's actually 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I had to figure that one out. So, okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That kind of sums up regeneration perfectly. I don't think there needs to be much more explanation. But uh, I do have... I just... I This is essential. I mean, this is what Christianity is. You can't, you can't grow in Christ if you don't know that you're a new creation. You're not who you used to be, which means... You're not a slave to sin anymore. So when we're dead in our trespasses, when we don't know the Lord, we are a slave to sin. Sin has control over us. Or the flesh has control over us. We, we're a slave to it. It controls us. Everything we do, sinful urges, it controls us. Does that mean that even though we're saved, does that mean we're never going to sin again? No, we still have a body of flesh, and uh, I believe it's in Galatians, I think. Paul actually talks about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit um, in the Christian life, and that we're always going to struggle with sin, but it no longer has power over us. Um, later on in the, the New Testament, I believe it's James, I want to say, writes about how even though we are always going to be tempted by sin, because of what Jesus did, he's provided a way out of that temptation. And it says, no temptation is strong enough to overtake you. So even though you're tempted to do something, maybe it's something that you've done in your past before you were saved, and you're tempted to do it again as a Christian, you don't have to give in to it because Jesus provided a way out um, through Christ's blood. And that's actually a good segue to the second part, which is justification. So... If you've heard of justification, you know that it is a legal term. You know, it's a legal term. So, okay, um, imagine that you were convicted of a crime, okay, and you were about to be judged as guilty and receive your punishment. So you're in the court. The judge is about to give you your, your punishment. And imagine that someone comes in and says that they will take your place and that you're no longer guilty but that you're free. 
That is what justification is. That's what Jesus did for us. Like I said before, we're all guilty of sin from birth. We are all guilty and deserve the punishment that God wants to pour out on us. But Jesus came and took our place. He came up to us and he said, look, I love you and I'm taking this on for you so that you can be free of this curse of sin and that you can live um, a life that is pleasing to God. Not an easy life. Jesus never once said that living for him would be easy or a cakewalk or it would be rewarding and you'll get a bunch of money, you know, and stuff like that. Don't, uh, don't believe people who tell you that. But he did say that you will live a life that's pleasing to God. Um, Jesus literally came and took our place. He became sin to die for those that would choose him. And he justified us through that action. So um, I've heard a couple of people, my pastor has said this before, and a couple other people I listen to, think of justification as just if I'd never sinned. I think that's pretty clever. It's a fun little mnemonic thing to remember. Being justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. When you're in Christ, he looks, when God looks at you, he sees his son, and he sees that you are sinless, that you, he looks as if you've never sinned. So um, I do want to share a couple of verses on justification. So the first one is going to be in the book of Colossians, chapter 2. It's actually chapter 2 this time, not chapter 5. I messed that up in my notes. It's going to be uh, Colossians, chapter 2, verse 13. And that says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses. So we are actually forgiven. It's like nothing ever happened. And I just think that's beautiful that God did that for us. Now, is justification a license to sin, thinking that you're going to have no punishment? No. God knows our hearts, all right? He knows our innermost depths. And if you are born again and you truly have the Holy Spirit living in you, you won't want to sin. You're not going to be like, ooh, I'm a Christian, so I can go and, you know, do whatever I want. No, that's not how that works. The Holy Spirit's living in you, and it convicts you. Actually, after you've been born again, and you want to go back to that, after you do it, you feel bad. You feel guilty, and that's the Lord and the Holy Spirit in you giving you conviction because you're not who you used to be, and tr your flesh might try to convince you that you are, but it's not true. So, um... That's just one of the awesome perks of having the Holy Spirit. You get that conviction, and, and it leads you into all truth. And I will get into that um, because as you start to grow in this uh, Christian life, you'll start to grow in holiness, and you'll want to grow in holiness, and you'll begin to see sin as God sees sin. So this actually is kind of my segue to the next part, which is sanctification. Sanctification means to become holy. When you're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. In that truth is how to live rightly as God intended. The more that we pray and the more we read the Bible and the word, the Holy Spirit reveals God's truth, which shows us how to live a life that pleases God. Now, this is where people kind of get hung up because they're like, oh, well, you read the Bible and it just tells you what you're supposed to do and that's it. You just have to follow the rules. It's not like that. It's if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to want to live this way. It's not like, oh, I have to follow these rules. That's not a good mindset to have if you really want to grow in your walk with Christ. 
he doesn't want to force you to follow rules. That's that's what the law was in the Old Testament, and that was to prove that humanity couldn't follow the rules because we're just sinful people and we're not perfect. That's why Jesus came to fulfill the law. This is what I love about the Bible. It's it's a whole story throughout humanity's history and how we were given the law and that Jesus had to come to fulfill the law for us to be free in him. And that's just, ah, God's just awesome. I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but he's awesome. So, as I was saying, the Holy Spirit helps us to grow in holiness, and the Holy Spirit shows us through the Word how to live in a life that pleases God. When we want to grow in Christ, we will just spend more time with Him and pray and read the Word and hang out with people that share the same values. Um, And as we do this, we begin to mature spiritually. It just is a natural thing that happens. And the Bible puts it this way when it comes to maturing spiritually, that, you know, you're, when you're a baby, you need to have milk, right, before you can move on when you're older to th- things like solid foods, meat, potatoes, what have you. It's the same way with your Christian walk. You have to start simple with the gospel. Uh, Paul actually writes about this, and he says you have to have the milk before you can move on to the meat and the potatoes. I mean, you can't digest super complex like theological ideas unless you understand the essentials which is the gospel and you understand why you're a sinful person and why god had to come and regenerate you and justify you and sanctify you and glorify you and this is this understanding is the the very foundation of the christian walk so um, don't take these things lightly these are these are serious things these are things that you have to know to grow in Christ. Um, And the truth is that sanctification is a process. We're being sanctified daily. You wake up, the uh, the Psalms say that your mercies are renewed every day. Every single day you wake up and you have choices. Um, Again, Watchman Nee writes about this um, in his book, The Spiritual Man. It's a hefty book. It's like 700 pages. I haven't even finished it yet. But basically what it's talking about, the difference between the soul and the spirit and the body um, because the word in the Bible says as sharp as a two-edged sword that pierces even through the soul and the spirit. So learning the difference between those things has been something that's really interesting to me. But they're talking about how, you know, you have your spirit and your flesh. And, and every day you have to make a choice to live a spiritual life or to live a, a soulish or a fleshly life. And um, it's, that's what sanctification is. And the more time you spend with the Holy Spirit, the more time or the more... Um, you mature in Christ and the more you're going to want to do his will and what is pleasing to him. Um, It's just a choice you have to make every day and it's so hard sometimes, but um, I'll get more into that in a second. A great passage passage that describes sanctification and growing in holiness is in 2 Peter. I actually read this not too long ago in my own studies. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. So I'm going to go ahead and read that right now. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, then you know, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has cleansed from his former sins. So again, I know that's a mouthful, um, but all of these qualities that he's listing, you know, you supplement your faith with virtue and then with knowledge and self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. These are things that you grow in over time. And um, you can't have these things unless you truly want to know God. You want to spend time with him. There are going to be times when you go through valleys and you struggle with growing in holiness. You struggle with wanting to read your Bible. Life gets busy and overwhelming and, you know, everybody understands that. But it can get into a bad habit where you don't feel like doing something like, I don't feel like reading the Bible. That's too heavy. I'm just going to like watch Netflix or I'm just going to exercise, which, you know, those aren't bad things. But when they become idols and they become more important to you than spending time with God. I mean, the truth is you're just, you're not going to grow. And then if you just become content with that, then, I mean, are you, you're not going to become the Christian that you want to. And then you're going to start complaining like, well, I'm not, uh, God's not blessing me, which first of all, that's not even what the Christian life's about. So, but if that happens, I mean, you have to spend time with him in order to grow closer to him. That's just the truth. And I don't know if someone else has told you otherwise, but that's not true. So I'm sorry if you've heard that. Um, If you live your life saying that you're a Christian and you're still living like your old self, are you truly saved? That's a big question. A lot of people ask themselves, am I saved? Am I really saved? Does God really love me? Am I truly born again? The truth is you look at yourself, examine yourself. The Bible says to examine yourself regularly. Um, You need to do some real self-examination and pray that God will show you things in your life that you need to get rid of. God knows your hearts. We don't, I, I can't judge if somebody really is a Christian or not. I mean, you can tell by the fruit that they bear. We know the fruits of the spirit. Um, if they aren't doing those, if they're doing things that the Bible speaks against, I mean, it's kind of hard to deny that they might not be in a great place with God. But we're not called to judge one another. We are called to um, correct others with love. If someone is doing something that doesn't honor God and they say that they're a Christian, it's okay to talk to them, but we have to do it in love. We're not supposed to be calling people out on social media or being mean to people. I mean, that's not... Jesus says that they will know that you're his through the way we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's a Christian out there who's struggling, we're not going to bully them. We are to to call them out in love and help correct them and lead them in the way that glorifies God. So, sorry, I did go off on a little tangent there, but that's called being a carnal Christian. And um, that is something that is very, I mean, it happens. I mean, I've fallen into times when I didn't want to do anything. And I can tell you that my life, it was harder after that. Not circumstances. I try not to let circumstances determine how I feel, my happiness. I try and find my my happiness in God. I mean, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. 
But when you lose sight of God as your source of joy and happiness in this life, you do begin to get upset based on circumstances and your emotions. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to to live our lives based on what Christ has done for us. So keep that in mind um, as we all grow together in faith. So another thing that in his previous letter, in 1 Peter, um, Peter describes the Christian life and why we need to share it with others. So I just wanted to share this as kind of an encouragement because um, I know what I was just talking about was kind of heavy. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. So I'm just going to rephrase that because I know that's kind of... It's saying that your time to do what the Gentiles or the unsaved um, people in the world, your time is passed to do what they do. You're not who you used to be. The time has come for you to stop doing what your unsaved friends or people that you see on social media that you look up to are doing. And he gives a list here. So let me start over. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised that you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That last part kind of sends shivers down my spine because uh, it's saying, you know, you're not called to live like other people do. We do have a standard um, to live up to, to be a light in the world. And when you stop doing those things that people, you used to do with people, they will notice and they will probably not like you anymore (laughs) because Jesus said they will hate you because they hated me. And the truth is, what it says at the end of this, everyone will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And that's obviously God. Everyone is going to have to give an account to every single action that they did and every word that they said to God. And that is enough to (laughs) not make that so it seems so bad right living for god you want to be on god's side and it's not this isn't meant to scare you into loving god that's not it's not how that works fear-mongering is not how to spread the gospel but i am sharing that because when we're called to live in holiness and to be sanctified every single day it means we're putting away the things that we used to do and the things we used to be it's just not who you are anymore and you have to choose if that's the life you want to live And if that last part of the verse says anything, it's definitely the life I want to live. I want to be with Christ. I love him, and and he died for me. It's a free gift of salvation. And um, there are good consequences and bad consequences for for these things. Um, And here's the thing. The beauty of it is if you – sometimes you do forget what a beautiful gift that is. Like in the previous passage when when Peter is talking and he says, if you lack these qualities when you grow in holiness, you're nearsighted, you're blind, and you forget that you were cleansed from former sins. The beauty of this walk is even if you forget, it's never too late to return. It's not a walk of shame. It's not going to God and he's going to, you know, punish you and he's going to, he's angry sitting in heaven, just ready to point his finger at you and smite you. He is a loving father who wants to see you come home. If any of you have heard the, the parable of the prodigal son, this, the son took his father's inheritance and blew it on prostitutes and 
drinking and partying and he lost everything and he finally returned home to the father walk of shame <laughs> and what did the father do he didn't go tackle him he didn't go punch him in the face he didn't disown him he ran to him with open arms because he was ready to have him back he is ready to have his son back and he threw a big party for him after that because he was like my son is finally home this is what the gospel is we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is what Romans says. The book of Romans says that even in our sins, even in our trespasses, God died for us. Jesus sacrificed himself to bring us this hope. And that's the beauty of it. You've never gone too far. Until you die, you can choose to live for Christ every single day. So never forget that. Christ is enough and God knows your heart. So the final part of this gospel message, part four, is glorification. Now, I've heard it a couple different ways. Now, I believe that glorification kind of has two parts. It's kind of a, a process like sanctification is. Um, glorification means you're becoming like Christ. You are becoming more and more Christ-like. And that kind of goes hand in hand with sanctification because it's growing in holiness. And you're starting to grow more like Christ. But it's also specifically a future event a physical changing of our bodies when Christ returns and our human bodies that were made corruptible from sin since the beginning of time with the fall, it's changed into an incorruptible body that's free of sin. That sounds amazing, and that is something I can't wait for. This is known as the resurrection in the Bible. Jesus in the Bible is also called the first fruits of the resurrection uh, because when he died and he rose again, he actually rose with this perfected body that the Bible talks about. And we will also receive this. This is why he's the first fruits. He was the first person to ever receive this body, as it said in uh, 1 John, not the book of John, verse, 1 John, the letter, uh, chapter 3, verse 2. I'll go ahead and read that for you as soon as I find it. It says, chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. This event is described in more detail in 1 Corinthians, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but in this letter in 1 Corinthians, Paul's explaining how we're dead in sin through Adam, but we're redeemed through Jesus into glory. And by glory, again, that means being like Christ physically. Um, as Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. So I'm going to go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or sorry, chapter 5. Um, and I'm going to go to verse 20, and I'm going to read to verse 22. So this is what it says. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That also means for people who have died in Christ. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For all in Adam, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So again, this is going back to the idea that Adam was the first man through whom death came and sin came into the world. And Jesus, being fully man and fully God, came as a man and offers us salvation and brings us out of sin. He is the last Adam. And um, I just love that. He's the first fruits of our resurrection. He's a, he's our, he is our literal hope because he had to do this. He had to be the first fruits because nobody else could. None of us are perfect. Um, later on in chapter 5, Paul describes the physical future event 
of the resurrection. This is also known as the rapture in eschatology, which is the study of the end times. Um, this is something that I have put a lot of time studying into, but again, eschatology is for another day. So for now, I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 5, describing the resurrection. This is going to be verses 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall all, not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, we shall come to pass, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I think I just love how Paul describes these crazy events that are happening and then just ends it with an encouragement, like, stay strong because you know this is what's coming. Glorification is our future hope that as we're being sanctified now in this life, we will be made perfect in Christ at the resurrection and be glorified. This is a promised future in the Christian for the Christian who puts their life in Christ. And I think that's just so encouraging and... Um, that is that's the hope that's that's what we look forward to um we're throughout this life we are being made more and more like christ as much as we can in these these sinful human bodies and then one day it'll all be worth it when jesus comes back and we are all made like him isn't that exciting i I love that i get pumped every time i talk about that so um that's all i have those are the four parts just to kind of recap the the gospel broken down into four sections is regeneration you are dead in your sins and because of jesus and what he did we are raised and made a new creation justification we're we're justified jesus we were all born into sin and jesus came in and said i'm going to take your place so that you can be free and through what his what he did on the cross and rising again he justified us in our sin sanctification it is a daily process we're being made holy and we're being more made more like him the more time we spend with Christ, the more we're going to want to accomplish his will. And then glorification. We are being made more like Christ every day. And then in the future, one day when he returns, we will be made like him physically. We'll, we'll, we'll shed this corruptible human body and we will be put on an incorruptible body that is free of sin. And we will be able to live with Christ forever. And that is the hope of the gospel. Um, that's all I have for today, guys. I'm so glad I was finally able to record this and get back at it. I'm ready to, to get this journey started and record another episode. Look out for that later this month. Um, I hope this podcast was encouraging you uh, for you today and that you were able to take something away from it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Everyday Saint. Share this with anybody you want to, anyone who comes to your mind that might need to hear this refresher or maybe who is new to the faith um if you just want to share this with anyone go for it um be on the lookout for some more soon uh this is david ross on the everyday saint and i will see you guys next time